So I am not Pastor Barden. Um, <laughs> uh, Pastor um, called yesterday, not feeling, not feeling great. So just um, pray, um, pray for Pastor. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm pinch hitting this morning. So like it or love it, you're stuck with me. <laughs> so, uh, but looking forward to to being with you this morning. Um, as we as we get going here this morning, I want you to think of something for me. I want you to think. Um, of a of a time a phase uh, a period of your life that was that was really good right think of um, whatever it felt like whatever was going on in that in life like the blessings of God of God were clear and evident all right think about that time maybe maybe for those that are married it was the the honeymoon stage right after you got um, right after you were married uh, maybe the moments after bringing the baby home right? For those of you with family, with kids, um, maybe a promotion or a raise at work when things were just really good. Think about those times. If you're younger, maybe it was graduation, maybe from high school or college, or maybe it was winning the, the big game or the, the tournament, whatever. Now think with me for a moment, track with me here. Think about the difficulty that came after that season of good, whatever it was. Cause we all, we've all walked through those, uh, um, of course, in, and chances are I'm betting in that moment then where you're facing the difficulty that you had forgotten the blessings of God before that, right? You'd forgotten about all that God had done previously. Our hearts, church, so easily forget the good things that God does in our lives, right? And it it was no different for God's people, for God's chosen people, the Israelites. We're going to look some this morning at the Old Testament book of Exodus um, and I want to share with you this morning about how the grumbling Israelites can actually remind us to be sure of God's faithfulness, even in the moments when things don't look great. Many of you know the story. The Israelites had been enslaved in Egypt. They were living in harsh conditions, doing hard labor for the Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Um, let's take a look at their story in the Old Testament book of Exodus, second book um, in the beginning of the Bible, literally the story of the Israeli exodus from Egypt. Uh, let's, let's back up, though, a little bit. Why in the world were there Israelites in Egypt? Why in the world? If you know the story back, the previous, the first book of Genesis, we see that Joseph's brothers, remember, had sold him into slavery, all right, and, and there there was a then a years-long famine in the region. Joseph's brothers end up coming to Egypt, right, looking for begging for food because of because of the famine. Um, and his, of course, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, helps provide them with food, and his family ends up then staying or relocating to Egypt. So with Joseph's family in Egypt over generations, um, over four hundred years, then they had many children and multiplied. Um, like rabbits, you might say. There was a lot of Israelites now in Egypt. So church for Egypt, for the for the new Pharaoh, that's going to be a problem, right? So look with me here. This is Exodus chapter one, verse eight, and let's look at the um, at at the, the the situation that begins to unfold. Then a new king 
to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. That, that first verse is interesting there, because remember, Joseph had favor with the Pharaoh during his day. He was, he was powerful. He was in command there. Um, but a new king is, is in power now. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. The new Pharaoh said, this is going to be a problem, right? There's this big people who aren't native to our country, and if something was to happen, they may feel pulled to fight against us. Pharaoh said, we can't have that. So the new Pharaoh comes to power, enslaves the Israelites, but God is going to do something we know. God raises up Moses and uses him, of course, to lead them out of Egypt. Now, I'm summarizing a lot of the details here. Um, there's a lot more of the story that happens, of course, in between this. But before we get then um, to that next part of the story, I want to ask you uh, second, secondly here this morning, what's the longest road trip you've ever been on? What's the longest trip you've ever been across? Anybody ever taken an RV and driven around the country or done something like that? I've always, I've always thought that would be a, a great thing to try. Um, but then I remember the time we had to stop like, what, five or six times in the span of an hour and a half. And I was like, no, we're not, <laughs> we can't do that. Uh, for potty breaks for our three kids, like, no, this isn't going to work. Um, we have a strict, um, actually, rule now. I don't know. Don't, um, don't, no one tell on me, okay? There's no drinking on road trips. There's no, there's no drinks for our kids on road trips. Am, am I wrong, Ethan? Am I okay? <laughs> no, they can get a little sip, you know, at the water fountain, at the, but that's it. Um, but you all know, you all know how long it took the Israelites to travel, right, to their new home, right? Who, how long? How long, church? 40 years, right? 40 years. If you look at the, if you look at the map sometime, check it out, of the, of the route that the Israelites took to the promised land, um, it would have been much shorter if they had done this, right? If they had done the straight shot. But what does God do? He takes them all the way down, right? He's got, he's got some things that he needs to, to teach his people. But you can imagine how horrible this was. Think of a 40-year road trip. Anybody signing up for that trip? Nope, not me. Let's not get distracted, though, from the fact that God had miraculously delivered them from captivity. Let's go back to that point. God had miraculously delivered them from Egypt. He had had to force Hero's hand to release them. God unleashes, of course, the ten plagues to fall on Egypt. You can read all about that on uh, on your own time in Exodus chapter seven, if you'd like to read through the story of the plagues there. And and, and but finally, to ending that, Pharaoh has no other option to let them go after God um, unleashes that last um, plague, which of course is the death of the firstborn, and Pharaoh's own son is killed. So even then. After, after God had released, um, the Israelites in, in a miraculous way, sending these, these plagues supernaturally, even after all of that, the miraculous escape, the Israelites begin to forget what God had done for them. Pastor, um, Stephen Lee here makes the following observation. Listen to this. This is interesting. The God of the universe had just tossed around the most powerful man on the face of the earth like a toddler with a rag doll. 
God didn't just humble Pharaoh, he broke his spirit and revealed Pharaoh's impotence. A slave people and their God left him and his nations in shambles. Church, this was the most, one of the most powerful leaders in the, in the known world at the time. And this nation of slaves just ups and walks out. Okay. Because of what God had done. Uh, this display of power, uh, to continue the quote, sent vibrations throughout the world, inspiring fear and awe. Yet Israel's response to this spectacular deliverance from Egypt is not mainly praise, worship, and wholehearted trust. Instead, Israel responds with grumbling, complaining, murmuring, and quarreling. Spiritual amnesia, as the author says there, set in quickly and covered the eyes of Israel's hearts. So soon had they forgotten God's gracious and miraculous deliverance. I love that term, spiritual amnesia. We're going to see a lot of that this morning as we continue in the story. Um, look on there with me at Exodus chapter 14. And almost immediately, right after the Israelites had been miraculously delivered, the people already began questioning Moses and therefore God. If you know the story, remember the Egyptians changed their mind last minute, right? Like, oh man, we made a mistake. We shouldn't have let them go. Let's go get them. So the the Egyptians are barreling after the Israelites. All right, they're going to, they're going to try to get them to come back or force them to come back. This is chapter 14, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians. Can you imagine the panic in that moment? They had just escaped, and here come their captors again, marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. What an incredible statement from the Egyptians who, uh, from the Israelites who Moses had and God had just miraculously delivered from slavery. They're saying they would have rather stayed where they were in captivity than be in the desert. The Egypt, the Israelites rather, are scared, aren't they? They're scared. They're so distraught at the Egyptians coming after them, they tell Moses he should have just left them alone. They should have just left us be. They've already forgotten the incredible length God had gone to to secure their release. So Moses then, of course, reminds them. Verse 13, chapter 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will never, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Wow. What words from Moses? You need only to be still. Here they're panicking, right? Here, here they're, you can imagine them running away, starting to run away as they see the Egyptians coming. And Moses tells them, you need only to be still. That's a good word. That's a good word this morning for me. Why were the Israelites grumbling? Do you know why? Moses, I think Moses got it. I think Moses saw it in their faces. He saw the panic. He knew they were afraid. And to borrow the phrase from the, from the author earlier, they had spiritual amnesia. They'd already forgotten what God had just done in their lives. Like the Israelites, I think we can also lose sight of God's faithfulness when we let fear overwhelm us. 
We lose sight of God's faithfulness when we let fear overwhelm us. And so what does God do? What does God do in that moment? Of course, he does exactly what he said he would do. He allows all of the pursuing Egyptians to be swallowed up in the Red Sea while the Israelites escape in the parted waters. But again, how long do you think their, how long do you think their memory lasted? We know from the story it didn't last long. Not two chapters later, right, the Israelites are already, have already forgotten what God just did. Listen, look at this now. This is chapter 16 of Exodus. We hear the Israelites complaining again. Verse 2, chapter 16. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. What in the world, Israelites? Sat around, for one, you sat around and ate pots of meat? What? Um, but, but yet again, the Israelites were forgetting. They forgot what the Lord had done. And what was interesting, uh, what was interesting about this section is that they didn't just forget, um, what God did, um, back in, back by bringing them out of Egypt. They forgot what God did at the Red Sea by, they went all the way back, right? And are talking about being in Egypt. They forgot what God had just did at the Red Sea at, at the parted waters. And yet again, just like God had promised, he was faithful. So what did he do? God provided bread called manna to appear on the desert floor. Anybody heard, ever heard of bread appearing on the desert floor? I've never heard of that. The miraculous way he provided would have been incredible to see. He also provided quail for meat for the Israelites. Church, like the Israelites, we can also lose sight of God's faithfulness when we don't know how our situation will turn out right? When we don't know how our situation will turn out. The Israelites are sitting in the desert going, how in the world are we going to survive? How are we going to eat here? They had forgotten the miraculous ways that God had provided just two chapters ago. I think most of us, we would look at the Israelites and think um, they had pretty good reasons to complain, right? Anybody Anybody of us just thinking, no, those, those were silly reasons. They had good reason probably to complain. An enemy army coming after them, no food. They'll complain, of course, later about not having any water, about having to walk for too long. All right, I, I, I would probably be complaining. Anybody else complaining about those things? I would be complaining. But the point um, that the author of Exodus seems to be um, making for us is that the grumbling... Um, is is ignorant because of God's literal intervention time and time again. Church, the Israelites saw with their own eyes how God provided in their situation. They saw the Egyptians swallowed up by the Red Sea. They saw with their own eyes and, of course, ate the manna that God provided on the floor of the desert and the quail that God provided. They were sought with their own eyes, and yet they still doubted. Absolute trust in God would have shown them that because he had provided for them time and time again, he would not suddenly choose to abandon them, right? If God had provided, then he's going to provide again. His faithfulness 
would continue for the Israelites. And in fact, for the rest of the 40 years wandering in the desert, God showed his faithfulness to his people over and over and over again. When enemies pursued them, God held them back and defeated them. When they were hungry and had nothing to eat, God provided bread and quail. In chapter 17, when the Israelites became thirsty, God literally provides water from a rock, right? The story repeats itself over and over again throughout the Israelites wandering for those 40 years. And it seemed at every step of the way, the Israelites would continue to forget God's promise that he would provide, that he would be faithful. Church, as we close this morning, like the Israelites, I'm curious if you can think with me one last time, what things in your life have caused you to forget that God has been faithful in your life? I don't know what what situations you're facing, whether it be financial problems in marriage or other relationships, your job, whatever the things you're up against. I want to close by asking you, how has God provided for you in the past? How has he been faithful to you and your family? Meditate on those things, the way that God has been faithful in your life prior to the current struggle. And let's be slow to forget, church. Let's be slow to forget how God has blessed us to commit to memory the ways God has moved in our situations. You know, um, in the Old Testament, God instructed the people to, to set up these monuments, right, as, as, a, as a sign of God's faithfulness. They set up the rocks right outside of the river after they crossed. That was a sign for the people that God had provided. When, when Abraham, when God asked Abraham to, to set Isaac on the mountain, all right, and, and God provided the ram, right? He provided the sacrifices he said he would. What did Abraham name that mountain? Do you remember? What did he name that? A Jehovah Jireh, God provider, right? So they were able to literally look at that mountain and remember how God had provided for the Israelites, how he had kept his promises. I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget because maybe we don't have um, those, those obvious signs of God's faithfulness. Um, I encourage, I encourage first service and I want to encourage you as well. Maybe there's a way in your life you can set up some kind of reminder of how God's provided. Maybe it's, I've seen, I've seen people do like the post-its, right? Or the postcards on your mirrors as you're getting ready, as you're getting ready in the morning or something like that as a reminder of how God's provided. Maybe it's scripture that you write on those places, um, you know, to, uh, to serve as a continual reminder for you of how God has provided. I want to encourage you um, to do that this, um, as, a, as a sign of how God's provided. You know, the Old Testament um, believers in God, the, the Israelites, they had to put their trust in the Lord, right? They had to trust them. New Testament church then, um, in spite of persecution, had to put their trust in the Lord. As we close, I've got a, I've got a video for you this morning I want to show you. Um, from a great organization we support as a church called Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, many of you are familiar with uh, Voice of the Martyrs. So check this out um, together. I hope this will bless you. Well, thank you so much for all of you all that uh, support missions regularly through Living Word. Um, your your d- donations go, your gifts go to support organizations like Voice of the Martyrs. We support 
missionary couples overseas and and what we kind of know as that 1040 window where living the life as a believer is not a safe thing. Well, how many, how many know we weren't called to a safe faith, right? So just, um, thank you for your support of missions at living word, um, through, through, um, organizations like, um, voice of the martyrs, um, church, just like the Old Testament believers, the New Testament church as well, the persecuted church around the world, for us today as well, let's remember the faithfulness of God and not let spiritual amnesia into our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your church. Lord, thank you. We don't take that for granted. Thank you for the opportunity to worship together. Lord, give everyone a a, a good week as we move forward. And regardless of what happens, Lord, that each and every one of us would be reminded of your faithfulness in and out of every season. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, church, so much for being here. You all have a blessed week, okay? See you back next week.